Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. I am so excited to have our special guest here today, Dr. Richard Schwartz. And let me introduce him and let me tell you a little bit about our work. So I'm Peter Goldstein, founder of We Did It Health, where we're looking to help create a healthy, happy, well-fed vegan world. And our way of doing it is to help ambassadors be even more effective planting seeds to inspire hopeful curiosity. So please join us at We Did It Health and join our community. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And fill out the scoreboard at scoreboard.wedidit.health so we can show the world the impact a million vegans have on health, the environment, and, and of course, animal compassion. So with that, I'm so honored to welcome Dr. Richard Schwartz. Uh, Dr. Richard Schwartz, he's a retired professor of mathematics uh, emeritus, as well as uh, past president of Jewish Veg. So uh, Dr. Schwartz believes that we have a vegan revolution, and I so applaud that and so support that. So thank you, Dr. Schwartz, and, and welcome. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then I have a few questions here I'd like to ask you. Okay, great. Thanks for the kind introduction. And I want to also commend you for the wonderful things you're doing and wish you much, much continued success. Well, okay, thank so, you. Uh, how did I get involved in this? Actually, it all started teaching math at the College of Staten Island. And one of the courses was for liberal arts non-science students, poorly prepared, poorly motivated, but they had to take a math course to meet a degree requirement. So in order to motivate them, I came up with the idea of giving a course called Mathematics and the Environment, but a textbook on it. it was really pioneering at the time. Text was called Mathematics and Global Survival. And we tried to tie the course with current events and different things happening. And one year there was a focus on hunger. So we were discussing that. And uh, I was learning at that time, it was an estimated 20 million people dying of hunger. That's so cheap. Yes, it's just uh, can't grow enough food for them. Then I read this wonderful book by Francis Moore Pay called Diet for a Small Planet. That influenced me greatly, and I know many others. And she pointed out how wasteful animal-based diets are. That, for example, about 70% of the grain produced in the U.S., the corn, soy, and oats, etc., being fed to animals while so many are starving and being uh, malnourished. So we discussed with the students that, you know, if there was a switch toward vegetarian diets at that time, that would make a big difference. And one thing led to another and, uh, you know, gave up red meat and then chicken and fish and became a vegetarian in about 1978, began in about 2000. And uh, trying to spread the word, so I so much appreciate this opportunity to uh, be on your program. Okay, ready for the next question. Well, thank you so much. Certainly, uh, why do you think that others should be vegans? Okay, yeah. Why they should be vegans? Well, again, I tell you, a lot of this is Judaism, but other religions have the same thing. 
uh, same kind of teachings, all of them based on compassion and sharing and justice. And uh, so it's uh, six Jewish mandates that point to veganism as the ideal diet. And these are to take care of our health, to treat animals with compassion, to protect the environment, uh, conserve natural resources, help hungry people, and to seek and pursue peace. And uh, I'm sure I'll probably be able to elaborate this based on your other questions. Beautiful. Yeah, so certainly when it comes to religion, um, so much of religion is about kindness and compassion, and, and Judaism is, is definitely that. So uh, tell us, how are you promoting veganism? Okay, well, one way is, let's see, I have this book over here, in my latest book, um, which is called, well, with that title, as you mentioned, Vegan Revolution, Saving Our World, Revitalizing Judaism. And the issues are so, so super important. I'm offering this book as a PDF uh, to everybody who contacts me and just says, please send me the uh, PDF. And maybe at the end of the program, I'll give some contact information. Some of you know how to get that. I want to get that to as many people as possible. And I'm sending letters to the editor and uh, all kinds of articles. By the way, I'm hoping this summer a new edition of my book, Judaism and Global Survival, a 20th anniversary edition will be out. That has a chapter on uh, Jewish teachings on vegetarianism and now veganism and uh, many other teachings like that. One other thing I'm doing is I'm trying to restore the ancient Jewish New Year for animals. Initially, that was for tithing for sacrifices. So in restoring it, we want to transform it into a day devoted to increasing uh, awareness on Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and how far the realities for animals are today in factory farms. Uh, Judaism teaches, for example, that Jews are to be Rachmanim B'nai Rachmanim, which are compassionate teachers of compassionate ancestors, emulating a God with compassion over all his works, over all his creatures. That's indicated in Psalms 145, verse 9, and many, many other teachings. For example, it's part of the Ten Commandments, the uh, holiest teachings in Judaism, uh, which indicates that not only are humans to rest on the Sabbath day, but animals as well. The Jew is not to sit down to his own or his or her own meal until making sure the animal has been fed. Torah says you can yoke a stone to a weak animal together or muzzle an ox while threshing in the field. So many, many teachings. One other is that in the book of Proverbs, it indicates that the righteous person considers the lives of his or her animals. So very, very strong uh, on that. So these are some of the things I'm doing to try to promote uh, veganism and to try to get on wonderful uh, interview programs like yours. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your, your wisdom. Uh, why do you think there is a vegan re revolution today? Okay, well, uh, it's so much needed. I think people are starting to realize how terribly animals are treated on factory farms, the very negative health effects of animal-based diets, and especially, especially 
that the number one threat to the world, climate change, is uh, largely due to animal-based diets. And uh, the reason I say that, two factors. One is that the animals emit methane, which is a very potent greenhouse gas. Uh, it's, uh, it's powerful at 80 times or more than carbon dioxide during the 10 to 15 years that the uh, methane's in the atmosphere. But more important than that, there used to be 6 trillion trees in the world, now it's down to 3 trillion, largely because uh, over 40% of the ice cream land that was formerly, much of which was formerly forested, is now used for grazing of the animals and growing feed crops for the animals. And because of that, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has gone up from 285 parts per million uh, before the beginning of the uh, Industrial Revolution is now gone as high as 420 parts per million, and that's well above the 350 parts per million that the climate experts think is like a threshold for, for uh, value for climate sustainability. And uh, making it even worse, it's in, increasing by two or three parts per million per year. So it's really essential that there be a major shift to vegan diets to enable the reforestation so that as the trees would sequester much of that amateur carbon dioxide and bring it down from its very, very high, very dangerous level to a much safer level. Well, absolutely. And that's that's so critical that that we uh, we be vegan so that we don't consume the animals, so we don't deforest, so we allow the, the forest to come back so that we can clean the air. Um, and do you do you see evidence that there is a vegan revolution happening? Okay, well, it is in many ways, especially among the young people. I think uh, the young have moved in that direction. It's been an increase. And there's a tremendous increase in the number of restaurants serving vegan food. Every restaurant seems now to have vegan options. And uh, another very important factor in this is there now a tremendous abundance of plant-based substitutes. And they say it has the texture, appearance, and taste so close to the meat and other animal products that even long-time meat eaters can't tell the difference. So that uh, there's really no excuse for anybody to eat another animal products today. There was one argument maybe years ago, hard to answer because somebody could say, I know it's bad for my health. I know it's terrible for animals. What can I do? I just, I love that taste so much. I just can't give it up. Well, now, of course, I can get that appearance, texture, taste. Some people can't tell, they can't tell the difference without all the harm to the animals, harm to the environment, and harm to the uh, health of the people as well. So yes. these are some of the reasons there's a vegan revolution, and hopefully, hopefully, it will continue and expand. Right. Well, certainly, if we can measure the extent of a vegan revolution by the substitute plant-based foods that are hitting the market, that certainly is huge evidence that there is a shift happening because there, there are amazing new substitutes of all the 
all the meat and all the cheeses and and everything else um and yes i i agree it's really wonderful that we're saving animals and we're saving the environment with that and i really hope that it's just a stepping stone for most people because uh the the substitute plant-based foods um i've heard doctors say that it's they're not necessarily any healthier than than eating animal proteins so but it is a stepping stone it does change people's lifestyles it does save lots of trees and lots of animal suffering so i do applaud it for that absolutely oh. as we yeah. say the stepping stone and also there's so many delicious fruits and vegetables grains um, nuts and seeds you know that uh, legumes so there's certainly uh, much of that and again there are so many and increasingly amounts of vegan restaurants and if people would just try those foods and uh, they would not be giving up anything in terms of taste at all and uh, and people do that they say they feel better they're lighter they're not uh, bloated and also uh, just a matter of getting people to, to give them a try absolutely absolutely the the power of feeling good um it's it's very once once we get going with it and once we can get past the the food addictions that lay in oil salt and sugar uh we certainly feel so much better and um uh, and the thing about the taste buds too too is i've heard said that our taste buds change in a matter of weeks so uh it's very easy to to get get past the old foods that we're addicted to once we're past it we feel great um i know for me i can't even imagine drinking uh sugary pop and colas and things like that there's just there's just no way i could my taste buds could handle all that sweet syrupy stuff um so I want to ask you about your book. It, its subtitle is "Saving the World," and that is an is an incredibly noble mission. And I think you and I share that. I I feel I feel that way about it. Also, is we really uh, things need to be changed, or else um, humanity on planet Earth is questionable. The survival of humanity is questionable. Uh, so, however. Uh, Tell me why, in your opinion, the, does the world need saving? Okay, well, the uh, biggest issue is that of climate change. And uh, so much evidence of that. And of course, this is not only my opinion, there's such a strong scientific consensus on this. And the surveys have shown 97% of climate experts agree. And many who don't may be paid off by some of the industries or or they may be uh, scientists, but not specialists on climate change. And every science academy that's taken a position agrees. And most important, perhaps, is a peer-reviewed article. Thousands of peer-reviewed articles in respected scientific journals agree climate change is a major threat, largely caused by human activity. And uh, facts on the ground reinforce this. Temperature has been going up and up and up and so much so that every single year in this century the 23 years are in the top 24 and the eight warmest years are the last eight years 
And uh, the way it's projected that this summer here in Israel, where I am, there may be a few times that for a few days each, it could be temperatures here as high as 49 degrees Celsius, which is 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And other areas, you know, every day, you read in the paper, heat wave there, the droughts here, the lakes are drying up, the rivers are drying up. Uh, of course, the seas are rising. So there's so much evidence on this and so many uh, scientific warnings, so much so that uh, Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the UN, has called it a cold red to humanity. And uh, there's one group called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And this is very significant because this is intergovernmental climate experts from many, many different countries towards the consensus when they come out with statements, they claimed in 2018 that we may have only until 2030 to make what they called unprecedented changes to have a chance to avert a climate catastrophe. Unfortunately, we're now four or five years after that, and the carbon in the atmosphere has only continued to increase. Now, what makes the situation far worse there are four factors for the future. All the things we mentioned, the melting and the melting of glaciers, the polar ice cap, and Greenland's melting, which uh, could really raise the uh, sea levels. This has all occurred with an increase of about 1.2 degrees Celsius, 2.2 degrees Fahrenheit since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And they're projecting anywhere from three to three Celsius up to possibly five, six, or seven by the end of the century. So for having all these problems now, imagine how bad it could be at three degrees Celsius. And as we mentioned before, the atmosphere of carbon dioxide at uh, 420 parts per million, way over the threshold of 350 parts per million that uh, climate experts mentioned. In addition, the uh, military experts are saying that with uh, tens of millions of desperate refugees fleeing from the droughts and the storms, the floods, the heat waves, and uh, wildfires, that, the, that this makes instability, terrorism more and more likely. And just one other factor, something that's called positive reinforcement, self-reinforcing positive feedback loops of vicious cycles, that uh, when things are happening, it makes more likely future things will happen. One example, we know there's been tremendous wildfires in California, many other parts of the world, and that's a, it's a triple threat into the future. Of course, we know the trees sequestered carbon dioxide are being burned down, losing that sink. And of course, when the trees burn, they, get, they emit the uh, carbon dioxide they stored. And third, so many houses and cars are destroyed, it will take a lot more energy and a lot more burning of fossil fuels to rebuild the houses, to create new cars. So that could uh, be very negative. So all these reasons, the world is threatened as never before. It's an existential threat to humanity, and it has to become a major focus in, in trying to avert climate catastrophe, trying to leave a uh, habitable, healthy, environmental, sustainable world for future generations. So then, in, in your opinion, um, how 
how much longer do we have? And and do you see any progress in, in reversing uh, climate change and, and all these factors? Okay, well, the good news is that there has been greater, greater awareness, especially among the young people and the various conferences that, uh, for example, in Paris in 2015, 197 nations, almost all the nations in the world met. They did, they set goals, you know, by 2030 or whatever, they're gonna reduce uh, carbon dioxide emissions. So there are some developments there. Unfortunately, those uh, pledges that were made are just voluntary and most nations are behind on that. And the bad news really is that even if every nation met its pledge 100%, it still wouldn't be enough. As far as how much time, uh, well, as I mentioned before, the Intergovernmental Panel on uh, Climate Change indicated that if we don't make these, they call it unprecedented positive changes by 2030, that it may be too late, especially with the self-reinforcing positive feedback loops for vicious cycles. So it's essential we start right away. The uh, UN Secretary General I mentioned before also said, delay is death. So the, the tragedy is that there's still so much denial and uh, people are not uh, making it the central focus that it should be. Yes. It, it... And that's that's what our work is about: is to help people get curious, curious, help people understand that something does need to be done, help people understand the urgency. So we're we're working on the same thing together. I I know with our scoreboard at scoreboard that we did that health, uh, everybody can chime in and tell us how they're healthier by changing to to a vegan or plant-based diet and and from that we we get to show on our scoreboard uh, all the forests that we're saving the acreage of trees that we're saving every single day the gallons of water we're saving the animal lives we're saving and and all the impact that we have by being vegan so we have to Till 2030, you say, to, to get everybody. So does this mean that everybody needs to be vegan or just some majority of humanity needs to be vegan? What's what's associated with 2030? Okay, well, um, of course, the more, the more the better. And uh, the substantial amount, because again, we mentioned that over 40% of the ice tree land uh, now being used for grazing and growing tree crops rather than being reforested. So um, it, it, uh, more people, but even if people don't become vegan and give up half the uh, amount of meat they're eating, every little bit will help. So uh, that part is essential. But unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, everybody knows the expression is an elephant in the room, something being overlooked. So what we're saying in effect is that cow in the room, that uh, so many studies by the climate experts, they talk about so many things that need to be done and they're certainly important. Like of course, shifting away from fossil fuels to uh, wind and solar, hydroelectric, you know, renewable sources. But very seldom 
is their stress on this one essential thing. People don't realize that the greatest cause of climate change and also pretty much every other environmental threat is the animal-based agriculture that would just turn 8 billion people in the world, but there's like something like 80 billion farmed animals. And again, the amount of methane they emit, and as we said, much more potent carbon dioxide. And the methane's in, methane is in the atmosphere only like 10 to 15 years, whereas carbon dioxide is in the hundreds, sometimes thousands of years. So even if we cut a little bit of the carbon emissions, which is certainly important, we certainly should do it, so much of the carbon dioxide will still be there. But if there was that major shift to vegan diets, and uh, forest methane would be emitted, then since it has that short half-life, that would uh, greatly, greatly reduce the methane in the atmosphere. Great, great benefit. Absolutely. So I understand you plan to build a major campaign to promote veganism in conjunction with your book. I would so love to hear more about that. And you, your book is so amazing. And I hope lots of people will, will look at it and read it. And, and thank you for holding it up. Yes, the vegan revolution and so very important. So please tell us about, about your strategy or campaign to promote the book and to promote veganism. Okay, well, as I indicated, I'm happy to get the PDF copies as many, many people as possible. And when I get it to them, I encourage them to pass it on. You know, I just want as many people to see it as possible because uh, not just me, the case for veganism is so strong. So I've been happy to be able to, to present that. Uh, and um, as I said, trying to restore the ancient Jewish New Year for animals. And I'm writing letters to the Jerusalem Post. It's an amazing thing. Uh, coming up this August, I've been in Israel for seven years. Uh, it turned out I'm the number one letter writer in terms of letters being published. At one point, I just published letters Mondays and Wednesdays. But at one point, I had seven consecutive uh, days where the letters were published where I had a letter to the editor. I had one, as a matter of fact, just out tomorrow. And that one stresses the uh, importance of responding to uh, climate change. And not all my letters are on it, but many of my letters are on veganism, getting that out. And uh, I'm working uh, as President Emeritus of Jewish Veg, encouraging them to uh, have a letter writing campaign. And uh, some letters and articles. I have a letter coming, uh, an article. In the next issue of uh, the uh, Jerusalem Report, and the title of the article is Living Jewishly as if Global Survival Matters. And formerly, uh, I had a cover story in the Jerusalem Report on why Jews should be vegan, gave the arguments in terms of reducing hunger, animal abuse, climate change, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, then I had a letter the week after sort of very respectfully challenging people to respond to my arguments and and nobody really uh, has been able to do that. So these are many things um, trying to 
to do. And one other thing, when uh, 20th edition of my book, Judaism and Global Survival, hopefully we'll be out in a couple of months. I'm hoping to try to really uh, get on as many podcasts like this one and radio programs as possible. Beautiful. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Well, I'm so glad you're here with with us and everybody watching you. I'm I'm sure will appreciate all all the wisdom and knowledge that you're sharing with us. Um, so I happen to know and tell me if if this is correct that Israel is a leader in veganism, maybe even the number one or number two, perhaps behind England from from what I'm hearing. Where where does Israel rank um, as a country as a vegan country? Yep, it definitely is one of the top uh, countries. There might be one or two others with a higher percent, but um, compared to countries, I think like the U.S. and maybe or whatever, uh, where there may be only one or two percent vegans, supposedly about five percent of vegans in Israel. And Israel mm -hmm. is one of the leaders in what we were talking about before, the plant-based substitute movement, and also what they call cultured meat, you know, where they take cells of the animals. It's not really vegan, but it would still be a tremendous step forward that uh, just using cell instead of uh, having to have the 80 billion animals we now have with all the negative effects from the waste products and uh, the overgrazing, et cetera. So Israel is definitely a pioneer in that regard. That's wonderful. Um, yes, uh, certainly so much to be said for being vegan and plant-based and, and the environment is, is really coming in as, as, a, a, such an important reason. It's, it, it's been for the animals, it's been for health, but the environment, there's, uh, there's a lot of urgency for the environment. That's, uh, we have, we have some deadlines to meet. Absolutely. If we want a decent world, habitable world, future generations, this is it. This is the major, major political, economic, social, religious issue of time. Because if we don't properly address the climate crisis, nothing else will matter. I mean, when they're talking about temperatures uh, way up there, like 120 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> unlivable. And also the lakes and rivers drying up, the droughts in so many areas, the rising seas. They're talking about the possibility of the Mediterranean rising a meter, which is over three feet by the mid-century, and maybe two and a half meters by the end of the century. That's over eight feet. And uh, that can mean an indentation of the coastal plain of the Mediterranean and uh, much, if not most, of Israel's population and infrastructure is in that coastal plain. So say this is really an existent, existential threat to humanity. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't completely understand that. What is the threat on the Mediterranean coast? Is it yeah. water rising? Yeah, it's a water rising, possibly a meter over three feet by mid-century and over two and a half meters, which would be over eight feet by the end of the century. 
Wow. And that's just it, of course. By the way, there's already what they call sunny day flooding in uh, coastal cities like Miami, Florida. And when you say sunny day, that means it's not because of heavy uh, storms and rainfall. It's because the tides have become higher. And uh, by the way, that's why you know people say we've always had storms, we've always had droughts, and all. Of course, it's true. But now things that used to be what they call 100-year storms are happening sometimes every year, sometimes more than once a year. And just uh, quickly, three factors that uh, because of climate change, change contribute to the storms being more severe. One, of course, is the uh, waters are higher. That means the storm surges go further inland. The waters are warmer, and that gives more energy to the storm. So you might have a tropical storm approaching land. And by the time it gets to land, it could be a category two or three hurricane. And because the atmosphere is warmer, it holds more moisture. So when the rain does come, then there could be much more rain and therefore much more flooding. Wow, that's, I hate to think of, about that. And, and coastal coastal areas being so threatened it's it's imperative it's we we must we must save the climate we must save the planet and um i appreciate all you're doing so thank you for for doing all the work you're doing and and helping spread the word and it is ever so important and it's i'm and basically some of our work you know in a sense what our work work is we're we're a laboratory where we're exploring for ways to get other people curious so our friends our loved ones who who really have no clue who are living uh, without understanding this who are so naive about it how how do we how do we get them interested and and maybe that's something that that you can uh, share some ideas if you've had experiences where you were able to get somebody curious um, what what kinds of things would work? I mean, that's that's what we need to do. We need to we know we know what what's going on, and we need to have our friends and loved ones understand and join us. Okay. Well, of course, everybody's concerned about their health, so that's one way you can get through to them. That uh, point out um, how many uh, peer-reviewed articles in medical journals point to the major contributions animal-based uh, diets are to so many uh, life-threatening diseases. And I think somehow we have to get them, you know, everybody, uh, among the older population, they're concerned about their children, about their grandchildren. If they, you know, they, they would do so much for them, make so many contributions, if they realize that, uh, the world for the uh, future generations is so threatened, hopefully that can help. So it, unfortunately, it's hard. Hopefully governments will take a stand, but there too, as you know, uh, politicians get large amounts of money from the fossil fuel industry, from animal agriculture. So we need to break through there and just try, as I say, that's why I send out letters to editors all the time. Hopefully people will see it. You know, there's an expression, uh, a little bit of a pun, denial is not just a river in Egypt. That's right. <laughs> and we have to say people, you know, the 
so involved with things, but what we are doing in effect is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic as we head toward that giant iceberg. So somehow, that's why what you're doing in the organization is so important and uh, having this interview and hopefully uh, we will be widely sharing it. We just hope every little bit will help and maybe there'll be a breakthrough. And uh, the people are seeing it. I think uh, part of people deny when they see the world warming up so much, when they see the more severe storms, the droughts, so many areas have been hit by flooding, wildfires. So we just have to keep doing what we're doing and hopefully, hopefully, uh, step by step, that more people will become aware and uh, will move in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. There's nothing less at stake than the survival of humanity on planet Earth and and um, our children and grandchildren and all the future generations. There's we we really we planet. This is this is such a beautiful planet. This is this is so amazing. The the beauty, the sustainability, the the life here, the magnificent climate, the wonderful people and animals, and it 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 will be a shame to to have another human extinction on planet Earth. Absolutely, <laughs> especially one that's preventable, yeah. right? A, a, an ex, a preventable extinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well. Thank you for all your sharing. Anything else that you'd like to add? Okay, well, uh, again, I want to thank you very much and wish you much success and that you're doing such great things. And I uh, appreciate this opportunity. But I think, okay, again, it's the bottom line that uh, uh, in the future, it will be a mostly vegan world or unfortunately destroyed world. So things that, uh, uh, Vegans are saying more and more, there's no planet B. And there's no really effective plan B, except for the plan to uh, get people to shift towards a plant-based diet. Because unless we can reforest, then we're really in trouble. The tragedy is that as we speak, the tropical rainforest is still being destroyed. And the projections are, unfortunately, that uh, there's going to be even an increase in the amount of meat that people uh, will be consuming. So that uh, will be disastrous. And, uh, you know, we just uh, have to do everything possible to avert that climate catastrophe, help shift our imperial planet onto a sustainable path, and create a better world for future generations. So many thanks for this opportunity. and. Uh, Look forward to working with you and uh, all the wonderful plans that you and your organization have. Well, wonderful. Thank you so very much. And for our organization, we did that health. We're, we're, we've launched our community that's built with passion pods, meaning that we have groups that are focused on specific topics, specific passions. And, and Richard, I look forward to having you part of it and and bringing together all all the wonderful writings you've done and all the work you're doing so that we can we can help get the word out to even more people so thank you so very much and 
thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, if you haven't yet, please go to scoreboard.wedidit.health and, and fill out the simple one-question survey that asks the question, so how has your health improved since you've turned vegan or plant-based? And then with, with that information, you will add to the scoreboard so we can show the world the impact vegans have on health, on the environment, on animal justice. And really, there's a fourth piece to it, to it and that's world hunger. So if you just look at the numbers, the amount, it takes about 10 pounds of grains to get one pound of meat. If we cut some of that meat out of the equation, we could feed everybody in the world and nobody would have to starve. So thank you, everybody. Uh, uh, thanks for watching on YouTube and uh, please subscribe to our channel. We did it that health on YouTube. So Richard, <laughs> yes, please. And, and we, we need for you to share your contact information. Right, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, so again, I'd be happy to get this PDF, uh, the PDF in my book, The Vegan Revolution, as many people as possible. So my email address is veggierich at gmail.com. That's V-E-G-G-I-E, veggie, and then uh, first four letters of my name, um, so that's R-I-C-H at gmail.com. Once again, V-E-G-G-I-E, R-I-C-H at gmail.com. And uh, be happy to have any comments and suggestions you might have and how we can more effectively get our so, so super important messages out. Many, many thanks to you, Peter, well, and everybody. Thank you so very much and have a wonderful day. And, and let's, let's see a healthy, happy vegan world so we can prevent the next extinction. So thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.